Hello, and welcome to Glory Be, interesting people and how they pray. Each week, we chat with interesting people about their lives, their work, and how they pray. I'm Sharon Hanish. And I'm Mike Malcolm. Our guest today is Father Stuart Krebkor. Father Stuart was ordained to the priesthood in 2001. He grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and has two younger siblings. He holds a Bachelor of Arts in History from the University of Tulsa and a Master of Arts in Theology with highest honor from St. Vincent Seminary in 2000. In 2001, he received a Bachelor of Sacred Theology from St. Vincent Seminary in affiliation with the Dominican House of Studies in Washington, D.C., becoming the first student to receive the degree since the program was instituted in 2000. He has served several parishes in the Diocese of Tulsa and is coming from St. Bridget Parish in Tahlequah to serve as our new pastor here at the Church of St. Mary beginning July 1st. Welcome, Father Stewart. We're so happy you're here. Uh, Thank you. It is great to be with you. A fascinating fun fact. When I was the uh, campus minister at the University of Tulsa 30 years ago, (laughs) we're showing our age, Father Stewart was a student. So uh, uh, we're coming full circle here. Now he's going to be my boss. So. <laughs> don't, don't think of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I won't. No. Uh, well, we're so glad you're here. We're, we're excited that you're going to be joining us at St. Mary. We want people to get to know you a little bit. So um, first, how are things going? You know, how is this news sinking in? How are you feeling about it? You know, I'm, I'm excited about it. Certainly, St. Mary's is a parish that has such a great history, and you know, there are just so many opportunities. You know, opportunities for me, I think, to be able to grow in my priesthood, you know, things that I've not had the opportunity to experience in the past. It's like being pastor of a parish that has a large Catholic school. Um, and, and changes for me as well, because really for the first time in my 21 years as a priest now, I've don't have a university campus ministry, yeah. <laughs> which is which is very different. Um, but I'm really excited. I know that St. Mary's has has great families. They've been pastored by great priests in in the past, and so you know, th- I think for all priests when they are transitioning in assignments, you know, we always miss the place where we've been, and because we love the people, hopefully that we've we've been serving. And you know, but I always try and think it's like well. There's lots to be excited about just in terms of being able to move to a new parish because you don't forget or stop loving all of the people that you've been sh- the shepherd of for the last several years, you know, but you have all of these new people to meet. And that's kind of exciting, you know, and being able to just develop new talents and, and learn new things as a priest. How did you break the news to the people of St. Bridget, your, your current parish? Well, these days, it's like yeah. with social media and everything, yeah. it's like, by the time the announcement is actually made at mass <laughs> on the weekend, most people have heard. Yeah, you know this is something yeah. actually that in in the diocese, you know, it used to be that the diocese would hold over the actual announcement from the chancery office until Monday. You know, but now they do it on Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very specific about the diocese is going to release the list at one p.m. on Friday, which gives pastors an opportunity to speak directly to their staff mm-hmm. and be able to tell them. But you know, fortunately, and I honestly think it's it works better. Than that way because we can talk to our staff personally, but then we have the opportunity to just sort of put it out there on social media, 
the initial shock for most people has already sort of sunk in then by the time. But So that it, it, you don't sort of have gasps at Mass mm-hmm. on Sunday when you're announcing it to the parish. And yeah. the way things spread, it's like even in days before social media was so big, usually by the time you told the Saturday evening Mass people, half the Sunday Mass people right. would already know by the time they came yeah. to Mass. Um, and so, it's, and, and so uh, you know, I, I hope the people in, at St. Bridget and Tahlequah and at San Juan Diego Mission and Stillwell will miss me. <laughs> oh, I'm sure <laughs> they will. They are, yeah. getting, they are getting a fantastic priest in yeah. Father David Medina yeah. as well, and I, he's going to do so well there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited for him and everything that's in store for him as well, you know, going to a, going to a great parish in Tahlequah. And so, but I'm, I'm also really excited about St. Mary's and, and all the opportunities yeah. here. Yeah, It'll be fun. You know, it's the life of a priest, and, and it's part of, which I love, you know, that we get um, someone new and someone, you know, different occasionally. Um, but as I was thinking about this, you know, the life of a priest, which is your life, but also the first question we often ask is about your vocation. You know, what, what did you always want to be a priest? Did you always want this kind of life of service or did you have something else in mind? And also speak to, you came from Wisconsin. Like, how did you end up in at the University of Tulsa? You know, a lot of it, I, I mean, my family was, was Catholic growing up, but it was kind of probably more of a cultural Catholicism than, you know, sort of really sort of hardcore devout, you know, yeah. Catholicism. And so it, growing up, it was like, you know, there was definitely a strong Catholic influence, you know, within the family, but I did never really, I never really seriously thought about priesthood. You know, however, when I did tell my family that I was planning to go to seminary, they were kind of, my, my mom was just kind of like, it's like, well, you've always had this deep spiritual streak. And so she, she was not that surprised because she said, no, I could, I could always see that you were, you know, maybe called to that, you know, but I didn't really have the influences in my life when I was a child that sort of put that before me as an option. You know, usually when I'm talking to like young men and women about vocation these days, I'm kind of like, it's really about being open to all of the possibilities, I said, th- you know, take some time and think about, you know, religious life or life as a priest. And because the great difficulty is it's like, well, if we never think about it as an option, it makes it harder for God to sort of like break in, um, you know, and to be able to help us if that might be something that we're called to. Uh, so I was really grateful that I mean, when I came to the University of Tulsa in 1991 as a college student, that's sort of what brought me to Oklahoma and that was the first in a series of sort of God-inspired events that eventually led to my vocation, because then as I got involved at the Newman Center at the University of Tulsa, Father Tim Davison, who was the chaplain there at the time, had a, a big impact on helping me to discern. And even a lot of the friends that I made at the Newman Center, I was pursuing a degree in history. You know, I was planning on probably going on and getting my doctorate in history and teaching, you know, university level history. And you know, I had a whole career path that was mapped out. And then all of a sudden, I had all of these people around me encouraging me that it's like, you should think about being a priest. And I was just in an environment that sort of put that before me. And my initial reaction was just, no, 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 no. I've got a different plan mm-hmm. <laughs> for my life, and that's what I'm going to do. And in, in the end, it was something where I was like, well, no, actually, you know, I prayed about it. I was actually confirmed my junior year at the University of Tulsa. Bishop Slattery was in his first year, I think, as bishop wow. of the diocese. And so yeah. the bishop who ordained me a priest also confirmed me when I was in college. And I think the gifts of the Holy Spirit active in confirmation had a lot to do with my discernment as well and it was and 
honestly, some people asked me, well, you know, did you not think about going back to study for your home diocese of Green Bay in Wisconsin? And I was like, honestly, no. I yeah. said, Oklahoma felt like home. Yeah. I said, it was people, even people in the parishes who were involved, you know, at the Newman Center at TU. I mean, people that I met from parishes around the Tulsa area. I was just like, no, the, the church here in eastern Oklahoma is where I feel at home. And if I'm discerning a vocation as a diocesan priest, it's like, well, this is the diocese I would want to serve. And so I've been here ever since. Like, are you still a Green Bay Packers fan? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no no question. It's like, yeah, in the, in the NFL, definitely root for the, the Packers. Uh, you know, Major League Baseball, the Brewers. College, in college sports, it's all OSU. So Okay, so even though you are now, you know, uh, in the Tulsa Diocese, you, you stay connected to your Wisconsin roots. Yes, I mean, really, I mean, except for my mom, almost all of my family live in, in Wisconsin, northeastern Wisconsin and the upper peninsula of Michigan, so. Okay. Yeah. Well, and big shout out to St. Philip Neary Parish now. Yes. Uh, Bishop Conjola instituted it as a, a real live church. It is a parish. Yes. Now, as a, it was a Newman Center for a long, long time. Um, in fact, I, I was a student at TU during the transition years. So there was the little white house, which was mm-hmm. just a, a house in the, the neighborhood at TU. And then I didn't know that, but then I was there the next year when it was on sorority row. Mm-hmm. There was a, there was a, one I of the, came on. okay. Yeah. So there was a sorority at TU that got like kicked out or something for some reason. <laughs> so there's a house on sorority row and Catholics were looking for a Newman Center temporarily. And so we said, hey, how about we put the Newman Center on Sorority Row? So that's where it is. I remember, you know, praying rosaries and and all kinds of things on Tuesday and Thursday nights and stuff as they built the big Newman Center that we now know and that now is a a parish in its own right. So cool. And you got to be chaplain there. I uh, did. That's kind of fun to... Yeah, to the, see both sides. Yeah, I mean, the, the first year that I was ordained, um, I was actually Father Jack Gleason's mm-hmm. first associate pastor when yeah. he was a new pastor yeah. at the Madeline, and then we were also both working at the TU Newman Center. Uh, so I was his assistant chaplain at the TU Newman Center, and uh, the next year, Father Joe Townsend became the head chaplain, and I was stayed on as assistant. And then the year following that, it was just sort of all up to me. Yeah. <laughs> By that time, I was yeah. in Sepulpa at Sacred Heart Parish, and I was doing the Newman Center as well, and somebody when that announcement was made, somebody said, it's like, oh, well, how does it feel to be the head chaplain? I'm like, I'm the only chaplain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However, it was it was a great blessing being yeah. being back at TU, mm-hmm. which were, that was kind of like my old stomping grounds. And I always had just a great affection for the St. Philip Neary Newman Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the opportunity to be back there in campus ministry. And I didn't know at the time yeah. that like campus ministry was going to continue to be such a huge part of my life as a yeah. priest, because after that, you know, after six years at the TU Newman Center, I had spent nine years at St. John University Parish in Stillwater, mm-hmm. and I'm ministering to the Catholic students there. And, you know, and then from there, the last six years, I've been at St. Bridget in Tahlequah yeah. that has the campus ministry for Northeastern State University. And so like college, college kids and young adults have yeah. just been a really important part of my ministry uh, throughout, and and I love it. You know, the opportunity to sort of work with Catholic young adults. I just think those college years are always so critical in terms of their formation as Catholics, because that's really kind of when their faith gels. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's when you know, they're discerning their vocation in life. You know, the kind of Catholics that they're going to be as young adults mm-hmm. as they leave college, as they start careers, as they get married and start families. I'm like, gosh, if we can really reach them right, right there in that time when 
they are in college and give them a firm foundation in their mm-hmm. Catholic faith. You've got Catholic, you've got great yep. Catholics for life. You know, they're huge. the people who yeah. are going to be your families in the parish that are motivated and, and pitch in and, and support ministries at the parish level. And I'm like, yeah, campus ministry really needs to be you know, geared toward that, helping mm-hmm. them realize that call to holiness and, yeah. and giving them, helping foster that gift of faith, I think, for them. Well, that's great. Yeah, this is going to be an unusual assignment. No specific college around. The, no, the no. Although I mean, there is there's there's a great. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a great community of young adults I yeah. know at St. Mary's, and yeah. like Father Vince Fernandez has a real mm-hmm. gift I know with with working yep. with young adults. Yep. And yep, that'll be fun. You know, I I too worked in campus ministry, and it is it's the crossroads of people's spiritual life, really, in many ways. Uh, parish life is a little bit different. I remember even coming here and starting to work um, after I'd been at home a long time with my kids, but campus ministry, I loved it. You know, there was just something about it keeps you young and people are, you know, they're they're interested in their faith. And, and then, of course, parish ministry is the same. It's just a little bit different, you know. Um, it, so you're in Tahlequah, you have campus ministry, but you also have parish life. Like, talk about that. What what goes on in the parish in Tahlequah? Like, what size is that parish? We have probably have about 275 families, I think, at St. Bridget, uh, which works out to, I think I, I think when we redid sort of our, our census, it was about 860 people. Um, you know, we have, it's a parish that has, has, is, you know, as opposed to a lot of rural Oklahoma, you know, Tahlequah is kind of a thriving community and continuing to grow. Um, a lot of the growth in the parish has been in our Hispanic population. And so there's probably about sort of a, 60, 40, Hispanics make up about 40%, I would say, of the parish, but like 90% of the kids. Okay, <laughs> yeah. wow. Yeah. They are our young demographic, uh, certainly in Tahlequah. Yeah. And, you know, but it's, it's been actually great because when I first went to Tahlequah as well, the Hispanic apostolate for the diocese for years had been doing all, almost all of the Hispanic ministry. The pastors uh, in, had, and had sort of supported it and, and were present and did some things with the parishioners, but the bulk of celebrating masses and sacraments was being done by the Hispanic apostolate. And our, our vicar general, Father Elkin Gonzalez, asked me shortly after I went to Tahlequah, it's like, well, would you be okay taking over you know, everything with Hispanic ministry in Tahlequah? And I was like... Sure, I would actually really enjoy that because Do you speak Spanish. Yes, yes, yeah, okay. and and so my my Spanish is pretty good, and it got a lot better once I yeah. was doing yeah. all of the Hispanic ministry yeah. in Tahlequah, and then eventually also taking San Juan Diego Mission and Stillwell under my wing. But it was you know it, it was a great experience because it really helped sort of unify the parish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody, all of the community, really felt like it was their parish. Yeah. Um, and that, well, the Hispanic community is not just sort of, you know, renting space from the parish to be able to meet. And it meant a lot to the Hispanic community to sort of have their own pastor mm-hmm. celebrating everything. I mean, I told them at the outset that I said, oh, you know, if you, if you want, you know, a native-speaking Spanish priest to come and do, you know, a wedding or a quinceañera yeah. or a baptism or whatever, I said, you know, I'm not offended if you want somebody right. who's a native Spanish yeah. speaker to come out to be able to celebrate those. I think it's happened like twice in six years. Wow. They, one of the things I loved about the Hispanic community was they just kind of rolled with it yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they're kind of like no we just we want our own pastor to do mm-hmm. it and and they said it's like we want our own pastor to do it and you're the priest mm-hmm. now so you do the baptisms and and the weddings and and everything so can you preach uh, in Spanish 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So do you write it out ahead of time? I, I still usually write out my yeah. homily just because mm-hmm. I'm insecure enough about making sure I don't say anything completely yeah. stupid or wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out of, my, out of my, my ignorance of the finer points of Spanish. Right. Yes. Um, and my Spanish, has re- it really mm-hmm. did improve because it had gotten kind of rusty in the times that I was in Stillwater because in Stillwater I only occasionally filled in at right. St. Francis Xavier Parish with their Spanish Mass. And so my Spanish had kind of gotten rusty, but brushed that off pretty quickly right. and got it got it up to speed and it's the community there in Tahlequah has just really been a, a great blessing and and I've loved the opportunity to minister as well to mm-hmm. the uh, San Juan Diego mission in Stillwell yeah. um, which you know for again a small town in in rural Oklahoma you know they're over on the Arkansas border they typically have you know a, quite a few people at mass on Sunday much mm-hmm. larger than a lot of our our rural parishes and more people than probably one would think, and they're working on, on getting a new church built in, in Stillwell, uh, which will be the first Catholic church ever built in Adair County. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, they've, there's never been a Catholic church built yeah. in Adair County, so it, when they, San Juan Diego mm-hmm. gets a new one built, it's going to be the, the first in that part of Oklahoma. That's great. Well, we, we touched a little bit on it, but I'm curious about how you pray. Uh, maybe you can pray in Spanish. Do you pray in Spanish ever? <laughs> Like Sometimes, if you're just yeah. alone, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, do you have a, a Spanish breviary or anything? I sometimes will do like the liturgy yeah. of the hours. Yeah. I use like the iBreviary yeah. app, yeah. Um, and and so I'll set it to like Spanish sometimes. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, you know, that's actually been like iBreviary is a great thing because it it does give that opportunity, you know, to be able if I don't have like the right book with me for like pastoral care of the sick or something, mm. it's like okay can just change the mm-hmm. language setting in my iBrewery app. Right. And it's got all of the rights and things yep. that you use in there. Yep. And that is, and, and that has been a huge help. In fact, I was even able to do like the anointing of the sick in French for somebody oh, wow. else. Oh, that's so fun. So it was, yeah. I had a, I had an, an elderly lady who passed away last year and uh, she was um, one wonderful lady and she was a, a native of Paris and, and everything. And she spoke, you know, yeah. perfectly fluent English and everything, but you know, she was, you know, 96, 97 years right. old. And, uh, you know, and I asked her daughter, you know, who had called me to come and anoint her. And I said, like, do you think she would like me to do the, the, the anointing prayer in, in French? And she said, she would love that. Can yeah. you do that? Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of like, I can try. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're a tech savvy priest, uh, using the eye So, so do you have a, sp- favorite besides of course the glory be podcast you know <laughs> do you have a favorite podcast or app or something that helps you pray what like what do you talk about your prayer life how do you pray throughout your day what do you what things bear fruit for you you know for me i mean as a priest certainly like i love the liturgy of the hours and that does really help me sanctify the hours of the day um you know that that definitely kind of is sort of my my ground base for how for how I pray because it, it does keep me really centered throughout throughout my day as I as I'm praying the liturgy of the hours. Um, you know, but I also just find that one of the, the best ways personally for me to pray is is really just sort of stop and just slow down, you know, the and, and really just to for me a lot of and a key thing in prayer really is peace. That I think it's, it's being able to, when your heart is getting agitated or your mind is getting agitated by the things that you're doing, and it happens in ministry as in all things, I think that for me it's always about you know, praying for peace. 
you know, that, that peace within, within one's heart in order to get away from some of the things that tend to start cluttering us up emotionally and psychologically and mentally as we, as we go through our day, you know, is really, for me, sitting in silence, mm-hmm. you know, and just focusing on God in that moment, you know, those, those contemplative moments. I've always loved Carmelite spirituality. Um, and, and, you know, Teresa of Avila, you know, she's my homegirl. I mean, yeah. I love St. Teresa of Avila. <laughs> um, you know, her Nada Te Turbe prayer is, is, is one of my favorites that I, that I pray often. Um, just because I'm kind of like, yeah, I need to be reminding myself, you know, not to get too into the weeds on all of these things. And, and remember that God alone suffices. Um, you know, Which we can put a link to in our can. show notes. Let's remember yep. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, okay, I interrupted you just yeah. to say that, but I'm sure you were going to say something more profound, Father Stewart. So, <laughs> yeah, St. It's... St. Teresa of Avila, tell yeah, she, and, and like I, I've loved a lot of the, the the great Carmelite saints and just the the contemplative tradition, you know. Because oftentimes I think that we we don't really realize how accessible contemplative prayer is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that you know certainly a lot of our the rote prayers and things that we do. I mean, I, I love the rosary uh, and everything, but you know, in terms of really going deep into the well of prayer, you know, contemplation feeds us so much. Uh, and especially in you know the busy modern world, and even with all of the the social media and the technology and things that we have, you know a lot of those things you know are are enormously helpful in terms of I think giving us access to things to pray. But we also always have to to realize it's like well we don't want to sort of allow it to cloud right. you know the the way that we are are living our life. You know to to really stay rooted in God, you know you know really requires us to I think be be people of prayer. You know, that's part of our call to holiness in, in our baptism is how, how do we cultivate that, that life of prayer? And you know, for everybody within the church need, needs that ability to sort of you know, tap into prayer. And hopefully not just in the moments when we're sort of desperate <laughs> in our need for God, but you know, building, I oftentimes tell people, it's, you know, it really is about having sort of those daily habits of prayer, which are not necessarily the same for every person. I think everybody does sort of have their own things that they they look for and and draw from in their their prayer life and in their relationship with God. So when you are uh entering into contemplation, do you do you just sit in the presence of God? Do you use scripture? Do you t- t- tell me I'm not as familiar I have a sister-in-law who's a Carmelite, but I uh, <laughs> I but you know I'm sort of more familiar with Lexio Divina, Ignatian contemplation. So uh, when you're talking about what you, what does that look like? What do you do? You know, for me, a lot of it, you know, sometimes I'll, there'll be a scriptural verse that I'll, I'll kind of sit and reflect on. Um, you know, something that I call to mind. A lot of times, like quotations from the saints. There are so many great quotations, you know, from the saints. And that oftentimes will be something that becomes, sparks sort of a moment of contemplation. Yeah. But I think a lot of it for me is, is, is also that ability to just sort of, you know, clear away the cobwebs. Um, is really to my, my spiritual director in seminary. You know, one of the conversations we had that I still remember quite vividly was uh, a conversation we had about purity of heart, and you know, the pure of heart are those who will see God. Um, that, and, and so, praying for that purity of heart, and you know, constantly, I think we need to be reminded that it's not about our own will, but it's about God's will. And how do we see as God sees? It's by cultivating purity of heart and and trying to look 
at the things in our life and say, it's like, well, is this me willing it or am I really following God's will here? Um, being able to sort of have some objectivity in the way that we, we view those things in our life. And, and really just, to me, one of the most profound prayers is really to say that I want to be able to see as God sees. I want to be able to look at these things in my life and be able to see them the way that God sees them because God sees them in the, the most profound and truthful way. Um, you know, as, we're, we are, as human beings, we're so capable of deceiving ourselves, even in prayer, <laughs> that mm-hmm. you know, we really need to be able to focus upon what it is that, that, that God is, is willing for us and, and really des- to desire that with our whole heart. You know, and when we have purity of heart, it means that we're able to perceive that will of God more clearly and, and direct our own thoughts and actions and words toward it. That's awesome. Well, has there ever been a time in your life where it was has been difficult to pray? You know, I think sometimes there have been you know, there have been challenging moments. I think in in ministry, mm-hmm. um, and oftentimes, you know, the, it's it's the transition in ministry that can be the most difficult. Yeah. Going from one parish to another, and you know, because as as a priest, you you do miss the people yeah. you know that yeah. you're comfortable with that you've known for several years. That you've taken all this time to get to know, and being in a new environment, you know, in a new parish. I mean, I always am reminding myself. It's like, you know. Yeah, and people here at St. Mary's have been so welcoming, you know, uh, you know, since the announcement that I was going to become pastor here and everything. I mean, I know it's a warm and welcoming community. There's still a little bit of that, you know, disturbing the spirit sort of thing mm-hmm. that's kind of like, okay, well, gosh, I hope I don't mess this up. <laughs> 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 that I, it's like, cause especially, you know, following in the, in the footsteps of like great pastors like Father Jack Gleason and Monsignor Dorney and uh, everybody. Then like, well, St. Mary's has been like served by such great priests and it's like, gosh, it's like, that's a lot to live up to. <laughs> um, but I know, you know, people in the parish have been so, so welcoming yeah. that I keep telling myself, it's like, you're worrying about nothing. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, it's just take a deep they breath. They will welcome you, support you. Yeah. The only challenge yeah. is there's 4,400 of them. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And I keep telling myself that it's like, you know, being a priest, it's like, you know, what you do as a priest is really not that different. It's Mm -hmm. a matter of scale. Mm -hmm. It's like in parishes and every parish community is unique. And I look forward to really getting to know what a lot of the gifts of the the parishioners of St. Mary's are. And I know it's going to enrich my life immensely as a priest and everything. But I also kind of keep reminding myself that it's like, well, what you do as a priest is not that different from parish to parish. Yeah. That it's like you're still there to, you know, take care of people, mm-hmm. you know, to be a shepherd. And you know, a lot of those pastoral skills are the same even when you move from parish to yeah. parish. That yeah. what makes a good priest is actually not that different from, you know, Tahlequah or Stillwell right. and versus a parish in, in Midtown Tulsa. Um, that's kind of like, well, no, the, the essential things about being a good priest are, are really going to be the same mm-hmm. um, you know, wherever even, I go. Like you said, even the prayer to see as God sees, you know, that's that applies here or wherever you mm-hmm. are, yeah. you know, yeah. so that will serve you well here. Yeah. But that does make it hard like you said, you know, that it is difficult to know how to pray in a transition, you know, mm-hmm. to know what to pray. So that 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 simple prayer mm-hmm. to see as God sees and for purity of heart. Yeah, because I think it, it, it's the 
toughest thing I think you know for me it's like when when in transition in ministry is it's like well there's so many nuts and bolts mm-hmm. that are involved because on the one hand there's not only preparing my preparing to go to a new parish but there's also helping to prepare the priest who's going to succeed yeah. me in in the parish and there there are so many you know of those those nuts and bolts that go into it and mm-hmm. figuring out moving the actual logistics of moving and everything else and you know you know going through everything that I managed to amass in six years. <laughs> <laughs> Finding a new home for it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That, that, that there are so many of those things. I'm like, in those moments, I find that it's ever more necessary like just to take that time to really sort of step back in those moments of prayer and, and remember to sort of contemplate and remind myself of, of the will of God you mm-hmm. know, at work in all of it. It's an interesting uh, feeling standing kind of with a foot in both parishes, yeah. you know, for a little while there that you get phone calls, you know, Father Stewart, where is the uh, the key to open the shed in the back, you know, <laughs> behind the church or something like yeah. that? There's that knowledge that only you know, and yeah. that, that, you know, is still being passed along. Yeah. And it's one of those things, too, that having been, you know, in a pa- uh, pastor of a parish like mm-hmm. Tahlequah, where it's like, well, there's not a whole lot of staff. I mean, yeah. we really sort of have, like, Myself and our office manager, who are the two full-time staff people, and we have you know three great deacons you know serving our parish. But it's kind of like, well, yeah, there's an awful lot in a small parish that the pastor winds up doing himself. Mm-hmm. And so I do know how to like fix a lot of things with a toilet. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, it's like there are lots of little handyman repair jobs yeah. that I've learned to do over the years. I'm always joking about the things that they should have taught us in seminary. Right. <laughs> that practical side. Less, yeah. less theology, more home plumbing. Right. But yeah. Sometimes that goes on around here too. Yeah. So, Father, I know one time we came to some event and none of the tables were set up. I'm mm-hmm. like... Let's get to see, you know. Well, and I showed up one time. It was during the winter, and Father Jack was out there with snow melt. Yes. He was trying to, to clear off the sidewalks. So, so there's you, all kinds you, of stuff. you will encounter that at a... Yeah, I don't think you're out of the woods. Yeah. <laughs> glad, we're glad you're handy with the toilet. Yeah. yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad I have developed those skills then. Right. Yes. right. So that's an, this is an awkward segue then, going from that <laughs> to if you could invite the entire world to join you for one prayer intention, what would that be? I think it would be be praying for peace, and not not peace as the world gives it, mm-hmm. but peace as Christ gives it. Mm-hmm. Because you know, with, with so much you know turmoil in the world today, it's it's peace that helps us to know Christ. And I think as the church, we want people to know Christ, and that means being able to have and receive His gift of peace. You know, it, it, oftentimes, I mean, I, it, it's hard not to think about peace as being sort of like a thing that you carry around with you. But I'm like, well, I think as Christians, it's like we do, we are meant to be those carriers and bringers of Christ's peace. And so in our life of prayer, we need to be cultivating that spirit of peace. Because when we go forth into the turmoil of the world to preach the gospel and to help people and invite them into that relationship with Christ, we want to bring them peace. You know, and to help them to know that peace that, that only Christ can give. Excellent. Well, you convinced me. I'll pray with you. Would you lead <laughs> us in a glory be? Sure. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As, As it, it was, was in the, the beginning, beginning, is now, now and, and ever shall be, world, world without end. end. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Stewart. Thank you, Father Stewart. Welcome Thank to you. the parish. Welcome to the parish. <laughs> Glory B is a produ- production of the Office of Communications at the Church of St. Mary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm your producer, Mike Malcolm. See you next time.